Hello and welcome to another edition of the United Podcast. We've got a very special podcast today because it's not often we get to speak to a United first team coach. In fact, if you exclude the episode of Ollie, this is only the second time ever. Uh, so we're going to sit down with Mick Phelan. Maisie, mm-hmm. you know him pretty well? I do know him pretty well. What's yeah. he like? Only through... Um, how long did you cross over? We didn't. I never played with Mick. He left 94. As I came Major, in, yeah. And then you, yeah. 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 But then he came back coaching and phenomenal coach. Absolutely brilliant. You know, I worked with Kiddo, Steve McLaren and uh, Mick. And Mick is different class. He really is. Tell us why. What makes an incredible coach? Knowledge of the game, I think, because he's played the game at the highest level. He understands it. His training sessions he used to put on, all different types. Just a brilliant coach. Just a brilliant coach. He really is. He's. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that the lads are in safe hands now because Mick's there. And I know I never, never worked with Ollie. I mean, I, I played with him. So I don't know what Ollie's like at training, but if he's anything as good as Mick, then we're in, we're in safe hands because they are very good. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were in um, Astana, you and I, and he came out of the dressing room um, and we were stood pitch side because he was uh, he was moaning about the music. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah. What was wrong with the music? As it turned out, it was when Axel was in charge of the music, I think, for that one. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, he didn't like it. it. wasn't It wasn't his taste, so he decided to leave the dressing room for a bit. But it'd be fun to see what he thinks of this, like the youthful players that are there now, because there's a real crop of players, sort of under the age of sort of 23, even like there's loads of teenagers. See so yeah, how 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 working with them is given how different their life and their lifestyles are and the scrutiny they're under compared to players 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and certainly when he was playing. Mm. I'm not sure whether I could listen to the music of today's youngsters, guys. You've made yourself sound 10 million years old. Yep. Just like Mick, I, I would struggle. I would. Need an old school classic in there. Yeah. What about like a Taylor Swift or a Billie Eilish? I don't think that that would be the music of choice in the United dressing room right now. Oh, I, see, I just thought you meant just contemporary music in general. Oh, okay. <laughs> this conversation's gone off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Maisie looks absolutely furious. Taylor Swift and Billie Idol. <laughs> Billie <laughs> Eilish. Who? Billie Eilish, not Billie Idol. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. She's Billie Eilish. She's a she's an incredibly successful singer. She has a lot of songs with her brother Phineas, who writes them and produces them. She does the singing, and uh, they smash out hit after hit. I have They're a hit machine. I have never ever heard of her. Go on then. What about Taylor Swift? Maisie, you gotta love Taylor Swift, surely. I couldn't name one song. Oh my goodness. Billie Idol, yeah. Rebel Yell and all that. <laughs> Maisie, what music did you have on then in the dressing room? We don't have any music on. I'll tell you what, the first. I'll tell you, you used to have music on would be Wimbledon down at Sellers Park. They'd have the Ghetto Blaster. The Ghetto out. Blaster? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't know, it's just so funny. <laughs> oh, you'd have been about eight year old then. Ghetto Blaster, yeah. <laughs> A Ghetto Blaster. Did oh, nobody yes. introduce music to the dressing room when you were there? Did it not, did it not come into play no. at some point? No, God, no. Oh my goodness, this is something we need to find out on the podcast, collectively. Yeah, who, who, who was the first person to bring it to the table? Oh, that would be so interesting. It would be a good question to ask your husband. Yeah. We'll have to work backwards. We know Ashley Young was in charge for a long time. Yeah. So let's go backwards. We're, we, we can't do this now. We've got Mick to worry about. Yeah. But that's, that's what I think we should do. Okay. Yeah, let's get him on. Here's Mick Phelan. Or Mike Phelan. Or Michael Phelan.
Mick, see before we start, can I ask you something? It is a Q and A, isn't it? Huh? It is a Q and A session, so ask. No, but like everybody, obviously your name is Mike, or maybe is it Michael? Yeah, I mean, Mum would like me to be called Michael, but then again, well, she's not around like us anymore. To refer so, to you as Michael, we can. <laughs> but maybe it's just a Manchester thing. I don't know, but. Everybody just calls you Mick, and it confused me for a few years. I'm not going to lie. What are they calling me on uh, online at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Let's use that, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> but what do you prefer to be called? Or what? I'm not bothered. Mick's fine to me. Mick's Is it a okay. Manchester thing that though? It's Mike's so a Manchester Mike's thing. Mick. Mick's Mick's something when I'm at home and what have you. And then my wife calls me anything she wants to really. Bridget. <laughs> Just depends on a mood. If you were to introduce yourself, though, would you say Mike or Mick? Probably Mick. So funny. I just always wanted to know that. Sam, 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 that sounds horrendous, mate. What have you done? What have you changed? I think you've got the comb with that paper around it and you're playing the zither or whatever. <laughs> exit the call and rejoin or something, Sam? So we're just having a, we're just having a chit-chat, yeah? Yeah, we'd usually go through your career, but we're going to do it slightly differently and look at the coaching side of things for this episode. Is there anybody left who'd know my career? Aye, <laughs> there's, there's plenty, pal. <laughs> Maisie. Yes. Maisie, I thought you'd have had three darts in uh, treble 20 there behind you. You've not put the darts in. No, I think, I think the last <laughs> people who played it was me mum. <laughs> Hence, there only been five darts. Alan, can you tap your microphone? Okay, yeah, you come out there. Sam, give us a one to ten. Sam? Can't count. It's not usually like this, Mick. Yes, it is. Every week is like this. Every week. It's, it's, it's good to know you're organised anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what time did you get back last night, Mick? Uh, we had to take a... We had to go, instead of going from Gatwick, we had to go to Stansted because of the oh. fog. So that took an extra oh, hour. Yeah. So I got back in about three o'clock. Oh. <laughs> Do you have late training today or is it... Just morning? Uh, a bit later, not much later, quarter past yeah. 11. But it was testing day today and all that lot, so... Right, here comes Sam. Fingers crossed it's working again. We can get started. This is why we need to do these things in person. This technology doesn't suit us. <laughs> <laughs> You've only been doing it a year. Yeah. Well, we're not employed to be tech experts, you know? Just wear a f- normal pair of headphones that plug in. <laughs> That's it. I am. <laughs> these fancy things and all that. Do you want us just to start? Give him five minutes. It's all right, I've got a cup of tea here, I'm fine. I'm happy enough. Nice one, mate. Get yourself something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a while. We'll give you a call, Mick, don't worry. <laughs> right, we can see a Sam. Can we hear a Sam? Is that better? Oh. Yeah. Can you hear us? Hey, yeah, I can. Lovely, that's working. Cool. Right. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Helen, do you want to give us an intro for this? And I mean, you can throw Sam under the bus if you like, but if you're not that... Uh, if you're not like me, you don't have to. Let's face it, I'll just leave that to me, see? <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United podcast. Mick Phelan, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Or as we have already established before recording, we can also refer to you as Mike or Michael, whichever we prefer. Whichever you prefer. Yeah, I've, been call- I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Good. Good to have you with us. Slightly running a little bit late. Technical problems, which was Sam this time. Always Sam. Do you know what? I think that's the first time it's been me. I think it is, to be fair. Yeah. Sorry, Mick. No problem. Got all the time in the world. 
Mick, how is life treating you at the moment? Uh, very good. Um, obviously, we've all got restrictions to put up with and what have you, but in, in some ways, it's it's just get on with the job. You know, we at least know that when we're, we're in the training ground, we're in a, a safe environment, we're in a, a good environment, and then it's just adjusting to the off-the-field sort of stuff, you know, around the families and, and things like that, but we're getting through it, not a problem. You just look like you suit that background like it's always been that way. <laughs> the big emblem in the back there. We just we see that badge and we see your face and we're like, yep, those two go. Yeah, go but well the spotlight's together. on you now, as you can see. <laughs> but yeah, they do go well together. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we know that Ollie got the job. We're going to move quite quickly in this podcast. Uh, Ollie got the job, and you were the first protocol. Tell us about that phone call firstly. Well, that that came into my my voicemail really i was doing something with some students at um at the small college stroke university in burnley with some students doing some coaching on the on the pitch which was an all day course really so 9am till 5 and we had a little break round about 2:30 3 o'clock and i just went to my car and switched my phone on really and had a look and there was quite a few messages <laughs> Can you call this number? Can you call that number? And uh, and then there was there was plenty from the club. Then there was sort of radio stations and things like that, all trying to get hold of me. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't going to answer. I wasn't going to take the calls until after the after the session had finished. But then, as I was sat in my car, I got another call from from Ollie, and Ollie just said that uh, Jose had, had gone. Had 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 been sort of. Uh, Retired, and uh, and and Ollie had been offered the role of, of manager at the club, and his first question was, "Would you be interested in coming back to the club and, and working alongside him?" Straight away, I was, you know, I was a little bit taken aback, and then, obviously, first time round, I didn't want to leave, so to come back was was an easy choice. I then said yes. Had to ring uh, the chief executive see where we stood, and then things just got rolling from there. I went home and told everybody I'd been offered a job again back at Manchester United, which was which was nice. You know, family was really happy. Um, I'd been working in Australia, actually. I'd been working for the Central Coast Mariners as a, as a consultant for, for a year, well, for less than a year. I was halfway through it, and I was just really back in the country through that Christmas period and then going to go back out there for a couple of months. So it was an easy choice. Why, why do you think he picked you, Mick? Good question. I often ask that about Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> why did he pick me as well? So no, I mean, I've got I, an answer to that question. I, I've worked with you and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but you are a, a, a top, top coach to work with. But why, why do you think, Ollie, is it because you've worked at United before or you know I the ropes? It's, it, it's possible, yeah. I mean, I was sort of first team coach assistant when Ollie was starting out as a coach in the in the reserves and and you know we obviously helped each other out yeah you know, Ollie was Ollie was learning the ropes and and uh, and I was offering him as much advice as I could along with Warren Joyce and people like that so I think Ollie's obviously remembered what I'd achieved what I'd done at the football club mm. uh, and, and probably where my strengths and weaknesses lied really so yeah. it was just a case of maybe he wanted some sort of solidity, somebody who knew the ins and outs of the club. Because at that time, I think Ollie felt as though it needed to come back to its 
its roots really it's 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 understanding of the club what does it mean to be part of Manchester United and and how do you gain success at Manchester United so I think he, he probably looked at it and thought he'd like to recruit that did you feel Mick did you feel looking from the outside before you got back into the club that that had left the club the DNA I did as a as a as a supporter as as a yeah. spectator of the of the games and then knowing you know what I'd left behind when Sir Alex retired uh, and then the managers that came in I I felt that the club was losing a little bit of ground on the meaning of Manchester United you know what it really meant what is the area of Manchester and and that mm. that sort of association they're all top managers, don't get me yeah, wrong, yeah. you know, that came in, they, they, they had the pedigree. But I just felt as though there was a bit of love lost and, and people used to, you know, when I was out and about in Manchester now and again, they'd come up to me and sort of say, thanks for what you did before. And, you know, just nice gestures, shaking mm. your hand and, and sort of well done and, and we miss you type thing, mm. you know, which is, which is a lovely thing to be, to be told. And then... When you're looking at the the overall scheme of things and the and the games and, and and what was happening, you just felt a little bit, I don't know, like like a supporter, a bit lost really as to what yeah. what was happening. So to actually get the opportunity to, to to come back in and and sort of see a few faces that were still here and get a few smiles back on people's faces because that's what I noticed the most. You know, it was a little bit flat, a little bit down, mm. and then to come in and and just have that people's heads started to raise up again and they started to talk and they started to acknowledge Manchester United people, really, in yeah. the building again. So so that was good. It was a good feeling. There's been lots of talk about the culture and the DNA and, and those aspects of Manchester United. And so much of that comes from Sir Matt. But what were the values you learned and you saw embodied in Sir Alex that have, have become the things that we think of when we think about Manchester United? I think if you, you see the culture side of things is about the work ethic, the demands, you know, the, the hours that you have to put in, you know, and, and, and sometimes they're hard and long, but they're normal, you know, the normal hours, you've got to put the time in, you've got to think about what it really means. What does it matter to people that Manchester United are winning and playing well and achieving something? And I think, most of all, you you want to go on that journey again. You know, it's like anything can happen at Manchester United. Anything, you know, it has that it has that scope. It it has that that feeling of everything's achievable. So to be part of it and to try and work towards that achievement and that success is is what it's all about. And to be perfectly honest, when you're working at it, it is non-stop, twenty four seven. But it doesn't feel like that. It only feels like that when you're not doing it, when mm. you come out of it. And, uh, and, and that, that is how I felt about the place. You know, there's, there's, it's a great working environment. It's great to win. But I think what's instilled in you, and particularly through Sir Alex, was that, that hard-working, winning mentality. And how do you get there? Because that just doesn't happen. It's, it's just not, you know, how do you get that out of a team of people, you know? What individuals can make that happen and then combining it as a team to achieve something and, and like I say, go on this journey of success. And it's difficult. It is really difficult to get that consistency and what have you. And, and repair, repair slight 
damages that have happened along the way. You know, it's 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 never a smooth journey, but it's it's an interesting one. One thing I have found quite amazing about all the podcasts that we have done is that nearly every person says when they joined Manchester United or came through the youth academy, they were taught about United's history. And I know Sir Alex was very big on doing that and educating players. And it's quite amazing, really. For you now back at the club, how important is it for you to pass those values on to other people? Yeah, it's very important because we live day to day. You know, we live more at the training ground and 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 being around Manchester United than probably we do family life to some degree. You know, it's it's, it's ingrained in you. Um, but you accept that. You accept the history. You accept that that culture that you you're coming into. And and really, we're just we're just trying to bring that out in our day-to-day lives and experiences. It's important. It's a little bit easier when you sort of are doing things through the academy because you have the time to to run through the historical events. You have the time to get yeah. that message across. With the with the group of first-team players, It's it's got to blend in with the day-to-day culture of winning and training. So you have to get that message across pretty quickly. But we have a lot of people at the football club who can who can present that to the players. You know, there's a lot more departments at this football club now than when I left the last time. So it's, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the background. There's a lot of things that we need to get across to players quickly. And I think deep down the players embrace it. They do embrace that historical moment. They do want to be part of that as well. They want to be the next gen, the next generation of winners. So they want to take something from Manchester United and that's the reason why we bring them here. Speaking about players getting brought to the club, we've spoken already that this is obviously your second stint at the club as, as in a coaching role. Tell us about your transfer and how you ended up moving because you'd just been made captain right at Norwich in place of Steve Bruce who had joined United. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, um, I well, I started at, at Burnley, which is my town, my town club really. Started there as a kid, supported them. You know, all the time, still, still look out for them. You know, I'm very fond. I live in that area, but then obviously moving to Norwich was like moving abroad. It was like going somewhere, <laughs> not on this, uh, not in England, <laughs> at that stage of my career. But Norwich was terrific for me. Um, There's some good players there when I went. Uh, you know, Dave Watson, Steve Bruce was there. It was a, it was a championship winning team that had just, just been relegated really, um, and then. It was a case of Steve and Dave and Chris Woods, those types, they left, moved on to things new and I was promoted to captain. So I took on that role and responsibility, which was great. But I always wanted to to test myself at the at the top end. You know, Norwich was a terrific club. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. You know, my family was, two of my daughters were brought up there. So I've I've a lot of affection for Norwich, but the moment came when I thought, and I need a little bit more. I need that that next that next level, that next fix. And when Man United came in for me, I mean my contract was up at Norwich, so I was a bit open to that move. And it worked out for both clubs. Norwich were willing to let me go, and and, and I got the opportunity to come to Manchester United, which was terrific. I just wanted a bit of it. I wanted a bit of Man United, you know. It was <laughs> it was something that you think about, you see, you've played against. And once I, I came to the stadium, once I came to the club, I talked to Sir Alex. How did that, Mick, how did that come about? 
Did you have an agent? Um, Would you have had an agent? No, then? I didn't have an agent. No, no, I wasn't. I mean, agents were were for the top players. Then you know the star <laughs> players. They weren't for, <laughs> for people like me. Um, it was just a. It, it was a case. I think Norwich played Manchester United that season at Old Trafford, and I scored probably one of my only goals I scored. I happened to score it at Old Trafford. <laughs> but we, I think there was we we beat Man United two one. I think it was myself and. Andy Townsend scored. We got absolutely battered. I don't know how we won the game, but we did. <laughs> but I scored this goal, and I think that maybe stuck in um, in the coach's minds. You know, in he, he was that type. Something would happen, he'd probably follow up on it a little bit. And then I, yeah. I just got the the call. Would I like to? You know, as they do. Would you like to talk to Manchester United from from Sir Alex? Uh, and I said, why would I not? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the reasons as well was was good was the fact that I'd been living down in Norfolk. Yeah, my wife, kids were down there. But I had this inkling that, well, Manchester's not far from where I'm from, where I live, and what an opportunity. And there was a there was a couple of other Northwest clubs that were, were interested as well. But as soon as I, I spoke to Sir Alex, I saw the club. I just wanted to, you know how it is, you want a bit of that. You know, an empty stadium feels like a full stadium. It's like eyes are all on you, even in an empty stadium at Old Trafford. Yeah. And I just felt at that time, this is where I want to I wanna be and I want to find out whether I can really, really achieve something. And luckily enough, we achieved quite a lot. What was it like when you first joined the club? Did you enjoy, you know, the first few days, getting to know the players, the manager? What was that like? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. It was uh, it was it was an exciting moment for me. You know, you come into what everybody tells you is the best club in the world, and to be honest, it lived up to that from day one. Dressing room was fine. You know, you you've got your Brian Robsons, and even then, Paul McGraw was still here, and Gordon Strachan was was still here. They didn't last long. They moved on within a month, I think, of me being here. But I think that was always in the pipeline. But they were rebuilding. They were rebuilding and, and, and they were looking for fresh fresh talent who really, I think, at that time, wanted to achieve something. You know, the signings that were made were probably people on the up, people want, you know, players that wanted a bit more. They just didn't want to be satisfied, you know, and uh, and that seemed to work. It took a little while, but it, it worked and everybody gelled quickly together. But my experience of the club has always been the same. It's just the right place to be if you really want to succeed. And what about the academy? Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a massive part of our club. Were you aware of the academy system at Manchester United? I was aware of it really before it was an academy. Um, you know, I'm going back to, you know, Norman Whiteside and things like that. I was playing yeah. against a 15-year-old Norman Whiteside when I was, you know, a little bit older than him. You know, he was... I think he was being brought over from Ireland to play in the the A team at that time. And, you know, I was playing at Burnley at that time and we'd come across each other. So you knew that there was talent coming through at Manchester mm -hmm. United. Then obviously when I went there as a player and you see the academy and you see... Because at that time we all sort of changed together. You know, we're all in the same building. So you, you saw the kids. Some would then split and go across to Littleton Road. Some would train at the cliff. And then you had this, you know, you, you were always around each other to a degree and, and you saw that youthfulness there uh, and, and what was underneath and what was coming through. And one of the big recollections I had was 
was from the coaching side of it, really. It's quite an open-door policy with the coaches. There were moments in your training day where you were, you could go into the coaches' room and talk football. You could be around, you know, the good coaches, Nobby Styles, and, and, you know, people like that, Brian Kidd, Eric Harrison. There was even, you know, others there that I just can't remember at the moment, but it was like, come on in, sit down, have a cup of tea, let's have a chat before we go training, that type of thing. And quite a few of the players in the first team did that. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was a very good half an hour of precious time or an hour of precious time, and then obviously they kick you out of the room, and and then they were your boss for a few hours, you know, out on the <laughs> out on the training ground. But I think it gave you a real insight into what it all meant, you know, to people and. And, and and then you saw the youngsters. You saw the youngsters playing on on the morning before your first team game. You know that type of thing. You go and watch half an hour at the cliff, and you'd see your Ryan Giggses and you'd see your Gary Neville's and all those class of '92 from from really way before they became the class of '92. Mm-hmm. Your Beckhams of this world. So so you then you understood the significance of the academy. You understood it. And you also understood that you get the opportunity because they were the ones that were going to eventually. That's why I got a free transfer from here, you know, because there was other players coming through who were younger and, and, and the rest is history, you know. Why do you think that is, Mick? Because not a lot of Premier League teams, all right, there is, there is the odd one, but not many teams bring so much youth through like United do. I think there was a really good system. It seemed to be quite a harmonious system that all those coaches had a, a real belief in, in what they were doing, what they were bringing to, to the kids' education and, and to the youngsters as, as footballers. You know, it, it, look, it's, it's run, it was run then a, differently to what it is now as an academy. Yeah. You know, there was a, there's a lot more rules and regs now than there's ever been. Uh, but I think everybody got treated with respect and it was driven from from the top man, really. You know, he he had a a real good understanding of of youth. He really accepted youth and embraced youth, and it, it invigorated him a little bit, I think. Mm. And he was prepared to probably take that risk. I mean, Sir Alex was a was a huge risk taker. You know, you know yourself, Maisie, that yeah. at times you couldn't fathom. What are we doing? What he was thinking, what we were doing, really, yeah, in a way. Yeah. But it seemed to all fall together. And, and I don't know whether sometimes it was chaotic. It felt chaotic, but it worked. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it, it worked because somebody gave you that belief and understanding and then you just went out there and did it. You know what I mean? You just seemed to be forced to produce it gave you belief in your talent. You you know, that's why you're here. And then go on then, show me, give it me. Yeah. And then everybody else could see it. And then all of a sudden it just gelled and, and what have you. But youth, youth is invigorating anyway. Yeah. I, I, th- I think United now have just, I think it's about, four, is it four, over 4,000 games now? Yeah, it's Are over 4,000. Yeah. It was 4,000 in 2019. So it was 1937 was the last time there was a first team squad that didn't include at least one academy graduate. And it's not going to change anytime soon, is it? Did you play then, Maisie? Did you play then, Maisie? Just before the Second World War, that, mate. I might have been, yeah, I think I was sub one of them, yeah. But oh. that, is, that is terrific, really, that... It's incredible. That the club has that history, you know, and, and 
I think, you know, some players have made the debuts and that's the last thing they've done sort of thing. You know, it, it's a cruel industry from that mm. point of view that they they can be in the system and it has happened in the past. They've been in the system for neon maybe nine years. They get the debut and then within 45 minutes, that's it. You know, they've played on Old Trafford 45 minutes yeah. and they've moved on and probably gone on and, and had careers elsewhere. But that's how how the decisions were made. So you work up to that moment, it's the best thing ever, and then suddenly, might be the last thing you've done at Man United, but you've gone on somewhere else. And uh, and, and that's just the way the culture's been. But there's like a class of players now that, I mean, we can only decide if they're comparable to the class of 92 when they've, when they've hung their boots up, but with the likes of uh, Mason and Brandon and even, I mean, Marcus obviously is still very young and is from the academy. And then there's like Shola, who we've seen a few minutes from. Do you think there's a there's a group there, especially when you add the likes of Dan James, it's a very young group of players that, that could go on to have that kind of success? That's terrific when you can introduce a young player and, and, and all of the excitement that it gives them, but also it gives excitement to the people coming to watch. Mm. You know, everybody wants to see something fresh and and vibrant and new and, 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 and with expectation. Everybody wants to see that because it's infectious. And I think people can relate to that because for the people that come to support and watch Manchester United, they want to be that person. They actually are living it at that moment in time that this 16-year-old, 17-year-old football player is actually out there with their idols in a way. Mm. You know, and I think that's a, it's a fabulous moment. For me personally, it's... You know, I tend to forget how old some of these guys are because I just take it for granted that they're Manchester United players. As soon as they put on that shirt and they wear that badge, they're Manchester United. And really, it's just the start of their journey. It's just that the, that moment in time, they, they, they get the opportunity to play. And I think when you do cross over onto that football field at Old Trafford, you have to leave something behind. You know, you get that feeling that if it's a tackle, if it's a header, if it's a goal, if it's been sent off and that has happened to people on the debuts, you know, mm. the, people resonate with that type of person. You, you know, not, not everybody has a great debut, but not everybody has a poor debut neither. It's just you leave something on that football field where people go away and talk about it. What yeah. was yours like? Your debut? My debut for United? Mm-hmm, Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was, uh, you know, I had the biggest smile on my face that you could possibly have. It was like chest puffed out, you wear the shirt and you just want to get out there and not make any mistakes, run around, just put that effort in. Effort's a lot. To supporters, effort is quite a lot. Talent's another thing, don't get me wrong. But if you can combine the two, you've got a career. But mm. effort, first and foremost, is to, to be shown you know, get out there, wear the wear the shirt with pride. Somebody else wants it, you've got it, keep it, that type of thing. And 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 push your career as far as you can. Because you do understand it's short and it's hard and it's brilliant at the same time. Uh but it all comes to an end and, and then and then what you got is the memories of your your hard work. What's your perspective on players coming through the academy or even players coming who are not quite the finished article and they are making their mistakes, I suppose, and they're expo those mistakes are exposed to, you know, a wider group of people. And if you compare that to somebody who comes in 
25-26 who nearly is the finished article how difficult do you think it is for those academy players or players who are the unfinished article coming through yeah that's that's a good question from the point of view now of how how players interact with supporters and uh, interact with with senior players at the football club and what I mean by that is in in my day probably in Maisie's day and what have you everything was left on the football field and then the supporters went away and talked about it and then they'd come back and see it again and see if there was improvement nowadays it's so automatic that you are under the spotlight yeah before the game during the game and after the game and it continues non-stop and and technology's done that and and, and that is difficult for a young player now because Every young player that comes to Manchester United wants to be a first-team player. That's not possible. You know, not everyone will be. But every player, young player that comes to Manchester United, we hope, has a good career in football. But the outside influences now are huge. The, the, you know, whereas before you, it could take you a day or a, you know, the morning after getting over a disappointing performance, a disappointing result, that type of thing. Then you move on and 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 you look forward to the next game. Now it is non-stop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right up to kickoff. It's during the game. It's after the game. Immediately after the game, assumptions are made of you. Yeah. You know by by everybody, not just your own supporters, by other supporters. They all have a, a, an opinion and a direct opinion now. And, and that's okay, that's fine. But it can influence a young player where we as coaches, we just want the young player to, to enjoy coming into the place, coming into the building, to kick a football around, to smile, to laugh, to be, you know, to be on that learning path. And no hassle, no pressure. But we know that that's not, it's not real at the moment. It's difficult. I mean, it'd be, I think it'd be difficult for me and maybe for you, Maisie, to have lived our lives the way we have and we've I'm, got away with it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell you what, mate. When, when, I, when I first joined you, because I, I was playing at right back and very rarely played at centre-half, it was a struggle. And I, yeah. went to, I went to see the gaffer and I spoke to him about it and he said, what are you worried about? I said, well, you know, it's, it's what people put in the papers and stuff like that. He went, from now on, don't read the newspapers. From now on, don't read the newspapers. Yeah. Because it won't affect yeah. you. Because you don't know yeah. what other people are saying. As long as I'm okay with you and the players are yeah, okay right. with you, that's all that matters. But as you just said there, because there's so much scrutiny now, you can pick up your, your phone and there's someone yeah, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. Yeah. It's you tw- can turn your phone off, but that's the easiest thing to say. You yeah. know, it's harder to do, you know, because, you know, this generation now, you know, and even the, the, the seniors at the football club now are so used to technology. They're so used to reading about this, that and the other. And, and that's fine, it, but it's how you handle it. Mm-hmm. How do you put it into context and, and things like that? But you're right, Maisie, the, the one man to please was your manager Yeah. at the end of the day. If he picked you, then you must have been doing something Absolutely. right. Because when he didn't pick you, there was a reason for it. And yeah. usually it was, you weren't playing well. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. So so it was a case of then getting back down on the, the 
training ground, working at it again and wait for that opportunity to come round again. And it usually did. But he, he had a way about him of taking you out of the limelight. Listen, I had spells at the at Man United where I was probably public enemy number one for three or four months, maybe mm. even longer. You know, even warming up on the touchline, you could hear like, what are you doing? You know, what are you coming on for? You know what I mean? You're going to make a big deal. Which is, <laughs> which is not a nice thing to do, but you... you I don't know, you get stronger from that somehow and, and then the manager throws you in at the deep end and you sink or swim. And yeah. then it changed. As daft as it is, just through effort, perseverance, and the manager putting you out there when really at times you thought, wow, this is going to be difficult, this is going to be hard. But you got through it. Yeah. Somehow got through it. And and then at the end, you're happy with yourself, aren't you, that you've you've found another bit of yourself that you didn't know was there you know because listen 70,000 people are screaming at you at times it's it's a it's a wonderful feeling isn't it when you're, <laughs> you're trying to do your best <laughs> but you have to get on with it yeah when you think about what coaches were like when you were a player and when you were first coaching when you came to United and now and you talk about the pressure that players are under and the kind of scrutiny they're under do you do anything different to to help them deal with that yeah, you learn different skills. I mean, you have to adapt, you have to grow a little bit and, and you have to understand. One of the, one of the beauties of probably my, me sitting here and, and, and me being part of, of this next generation is I don't feel as though anything's new to that degree when it comes to playing football. You know, it's you've still got to, you know, get that strip on, do the best you possibly can, work hard at it, train hard and really bring something to the team. So so I, I don't really look at it as though it is brand new to every player. It's their first experience of something. But really it's an old experience to me because it's it's not really that new. It's just it's just fluffed up a little bit differently if 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 you get my drift. And their experiences usually you've come across them before. And they're surprised when you actually talk to them about it or you, you head it off, really. You can, you, you can see it coming sort of thing. And you just have this quiet word about, well, you're not different to anybody else. You know, it is, it's normal. It's mm. natural. What are you going to do about it? Because you can be there, listen, you can talk, but they have to get on with it. You know, at the end of the day, they have to take ownership of it and get on with it and find a way. We can't, you know, we can't do everything for them. And sometimes they don't realise that what the problems that they have are usually caused by themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and usually it's nothing to do with football. <laughs> That's why I don't think I'd be all right at this, at this club now. <laughs> it is difficult. It's, it is hard, David, because there's a lot of influences now that, you know, we all try and focus on the football, but there is a lot going on out there. And, and I, I mean... Pressure's always there, but it's it's, yeah. it's a different type of pressure. It's it's something that if you want to achieve something, you have to be very single-minded in a way, haven't you? And you've mm. got to be strong and take the knocks, but then, you know, get back up again and, and, and have another go at it and see how far you can go. See how far you can go, because you are, you know, you're here for a short time. Talk to us about the grand plan, I suppose, of the academy. You know, we've seen lots of under-18s playing up in the under-23s, lots of under-16s playing in the under-18s. Is that part of a grand plan? 
that's always been there. I, you know, I, I can only comment on uh, when I was here the first time round, and then you know coming back into it. But you know that connection has to be there. We have to start to to show that there is a route through. There is a route from any level within the football club through to the to the first team. And and what is that? You know, what is that plan of action? Some some boys achieve it quicker than others. Some mature differently than others. But I think the coaches within the academy are second to none. The work they put in, the effort they put in, the frustrations they have, which I'm sure they have. But it's important that there's a connection between academy coaches and first team coaches. I've always believed in that because I think coaches talk football, coaches talk about players, coaches talk about what's going on in their, their group. And I think if you have that connection, we learn things quicker. Mm-hmm. And we can develop quicker. And I think promoting, I think the clubs always promoted probably a younger player into an older situation mm. just to see whether they can handle it. And, and we've brought that back. I mean, Ollie's definitely understands that. He's come through that process in, in, in some respect or being a coach at, at that level. Mm-hmm. Now he's stepped up to the first team. He understands what it means to, to bring those young players into the first team environment, not necessarily to play them, but to get them involved at some point to just give them a lift or an understanding that there's an opportunity, you know? There's a real chance that you could achieve something. And then I think that once that happens and you get that that sort of player that comes through, I think it invigorates everybody else to the possibility as well, yeah, of course. which is really important, yeah. really, really important for that connection. I, mean, I, like, I still like now to go and watch the 23s training not necessarily playing, but training. Just because I think you get an idea of attitude and work ethic and things like that. And I like to walk across then to the to the 18s and see what the coaches are doing. And, mm. and just, it might be five, ten minutes, but it gives you a good feel as to what's going on. You know, and... Um, Listen, in that even in the academy now, it's it's multinational, it's multicultural now, you know. it's It's completely different, so... They see you, you see them. Uh, they probably see this old bloke walking across with a limp and what have you, and bad <laughs> knees and all that. I don't think you lose that. <laughs> At least I don't have a sheepskin on, so I'm not a scout. <laughs> Remember them days? I know, yeah. <laughs> but, but I look and I observe, and every now and again, I might just catch the coach's eye and just say something that, mm-hmm. I've, that I've, I've watched and just leave them with something, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, that's the important thing for a coach. Sir Alex always used to say, you're the coach, coach them. There's your challenge. Challenge them to be better today than they were yesterday. You know, and it's quite a true true analogy of, of being a coach. Educate them the Man United way. You know, every club seems to talk about their way. But there is an identity there. So, mm-hmm. so I encourage that kid and promote from within. I think it's I think it's great. And as you say, back in the day, sorry, I don't want to say back in the day and make you amazing sound on the on the older <laughs> my, side. My, uh, <laughs> my daughters used to say in the olden days, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, as you said, you know, the youth team players would be coming in the changing room, you would be mixing, and now it's just so different, isn't it? So I suppose that is the pathway, bringing them up to let them join in and training, you know, being yeah. part of the first team squad and Pre-season tours as well is a big part of that. Pre-season, you touched on pre-season there. Pre-season used to be probably the best opportunity to do it from the point of view of 
promoting one or two up and seeing whether they could handle that environment. And there's no risk in that. There's, there's no risk. They travel with you. They're there. You get to know them a little bit better. And it is a more relaxed environment. It's definitely more of a, a personal, you know, you get that personal touch, that personal feel. Even when we go on on little bits of get-togethers, get, to, get away for four or five days, it's amazing how it's different. It is different around the group you're working with every day at the training ground but mm. there's a there's a nice chilled out feel it's, un, it's unfortunate we can't do that a little bit more but our schedule is such but I think when you can introduce kids to that it does it does give you it gives them a boost for the upcoming season for a start but it also gives you an understanding of what your challenges are as a coach going forward where are the gaps are there any gaps are they not that type of thing it's and the interaction. It's the interaction as well between the, 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 the more experienced players and the young players and how do they feel about it. You know, because you know yourself, David, that the pecking order in any organisation, certainly in a team, is, is pretty brutal at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's can you be accepted by your peers to train with them for a start, let alone play with them? If you can bring something to the table you're probably in, you know, you're probably mm. one of the in guys. But if you're not quite up to the stand and up to the level, I think they move you back a little bit and say, no, not for us just yet. And I think that's na that's a natural selection process that not just the coaches do, the players do. Mm. The players do it. You have to bring something to the group to be accepted. If you can do that in any which way, you, you know, a form that you've, you've got, then you're accepted and you're looked upon as serious potential. Mm -hmm. But if you don't bring that charisma, that character, that profile, that ability, then I think it's one of them, no, I'm not quite ready yet, go back and work a bit harder or find another way, that type of thing. That's how critical For those that are not quite ready, yeah. And, and for those that are not quite ready and head out on loan, do you, are you a fan of the loan system? We've seen Ghana go to Watford and it not quite work and now he's at Forest where he's doing really well. Do you think that's within the system? How much can United control in that or is it just a bit of luck? I, I, I tend to have swayed a little bit on liking the loan system and then not quite liking it from the point of view of what is the plan? You know, what is the plan of the loan? Is the loan to say you need the next, or you need the the, the senior game to mm. bring you on. But not only that, what is the plan if it works or if it doesn't work? Where does that leave the player? Mm -hmm. I think there has to be a lot more thought in that. It's not just a case of, well, he's at this stage now or he's at this age now, he needs to be out playing men's football. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that player if he's successful? Is it to bring him back? integrate him to a higher level because once you've exposed them to that they don't really I don't think want to come back to what they left they want to they want to shift they want to move either on or upwards within to the next group so I think the plan of action's got to be there before you decide on whether a loan's good enough and then on the other hand I think sometimes to be in your system isn't a bad thing because we know what we want we know how to produce young players. 
the coaches know exactly what's required. And I think sometimes to promote them, I mean, you can't promote everybody into the first team squad. Otherwise you'd have probably <laughs> 35, 40 players in your yeah. first team pool, which is impossible. But I think you can, you can introduce them into that first team training, which is even better than actually going on loan sometimes, you know, because I think you have them under your, they're under your banner in a way, they're there. And I think you can express the coaching methods, what's expected of them. You can work them a lot differently, a lot harder. Okay, maybe not get the games, but we've had players before, you know, players that have probably spent a year around the first team training. I can remember a young lad called Tom Eaton, who's now playing, you know, played for his country and everything. The first year he came into Manchester United's first team group, he was just like used, used as a shooting practice. You know, he got scalsy and all them, peppering him with shots every day. And the kid was floundering at first, but he grew in a year, hardly ever played even in, in the in the what was then probably the reserves or the 20s, 21s, 23s. But he actually came on a bundle, absolute bundle, because he, he got up to speed far quicker than he could have done, mm. probably by going out on loan. Then, obviously, he made his decisions as to he's ready to get out there and, and his career lifted off. But that one year, he went from boy to man just by being battered, really. <laughs> on, and I don't mean, I mean, sort of... Yeah in training with the shots and everything but he was he was put under severe stress in a way but he came out of it he actually came out of it and went on to play for his country and you know what a great career and a terrific lad terrific do lad. you think that's that's similar to Dean Henderson now having gone out to Sheffield United and then he's come back I mean you look at Sheffield United's results I'm not just saying it's down to Dean Henderson that they are where they are now but you know, he's he's coming to United and he's been absolutely sensational whenever he's, you know, played. He's been brilliant. Well, I think, I mean, Dean went out on loan before before I came back, really, or before Ollie came in. So that was more or less a done deal, really. He was out there and what have you. The, the, the point of that was he was ready. He was ready to play. He was ready. Yeah. You know, you could, you, when you understood it to, to David or not even David, there was others there as well. Mm then where are you going to get your games, you know? Where are you going to... I suppose those? it's a little bit different, isn't it, for keepers, because there's only one position. Yeah, and one keeper can stay in there for 10 years non-stop, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's really difficult. So, But when he went out on loan, what I do know is Sheffield United really enjoyed Dean Henderson. They really enjoyed working with him. They really enjoyed him being in the team. I think the supporters responded to him really well. This is all the feedback I got from yeah. from sort of the manager, Chris and, and, and his staff, that he was a great asset to them, but he was not their player. Mm. You know, he's a Man United player. So so eventually you have to make that decision as to right, let's get him back into the building, let's get him back here. Because we hadn't all we all we were doing was watching him play for Sheffield United. You know, mm. we hadn't, we didn't know him that well. We didn't know what his work ethic was. So it was a case of, well, we need to find out. Let's go from there. And, and to be honest, you know, he's done, he's done exceptionally well. You know, yes. and he's, he's patient to a degree, you know, yeah. but, uh, but that's what we want. You know, we, it's important that there are challenges and there's challenges ahead for him. And there's challenges for the ones that are already in and around that goalkeeping group. So 
that is exactly what you want in a squad. Mm. You know, a squad that's really pushing to achieve something, and, and and Dean's definitely one of them that wants to achieve something. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it worked well there. It mm. worked really well. Um, can I just ask you when you left the first time from the coaching role, and then you've come back the second time? Is there anybody that you remember from being a youth player that has made it to the Manchester United first team that has surprised you in good or bad ways? But anybody Bad. that you can remember from that time. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this guy. <laughs> no, but what I mean by that is no, maybe I, somebody I who think... you thought was going to go on and make a first-team career and maybe that hasn't happened. That's what I mean by bad, sorry. Yeah. Um, there hasn't really. I just, I just get a real good feeling about giving somebody that opportunity to... It's over to them. You know, you recognise something yeah. and you feel... Th the experience a coach has to have is when. When do you actually feel the time is right? Because, you know, a, a 16, 17-year-old boy who's playing regular football in the 23s is suddenly thinking, I can do that. I can play in the first team. I can. It's all I can. I should be. You know, that and that's good. Yeah. But the reality of it is be patient. Wait probably not quite right and it goes back to what I said before you know that first 45 minutes in the first team might be the only 45 minutes so you want to prepare that player to do more than that you want him to really leave something on that football field which says right we've got one here we need to nurture that we need to bring that on and we need to use all our experience to give him that opportunity again and again and again so I think I don't look at it as an individual, I look at it more of, I want them to do that. I want them to be able to experience what the likes of Marcus Rashford's felt when he first came. I saw a video of Marcus Rashford yesterday afternoon, funnily enough, and I think it was put out by the club. I don't know how old it was or whatever, from the academy and then through to his first team. And I'm looking at Marcus Rashford and I'm going, wow, what a young kid, what a kid with this smile, this enjoyment, this laughter, this, you know, coming coming through, really starting out to make progress and what have you. And that's what you want, You but you want that to stay. You want that to stay with them. Mm. Every time they play, I really enjoy playing. I really have a, 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 a smile on my face because they've worked hard to get there. It's harder to stay there, but, but I, what I'm trying to say is it's there for you. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. You know, under the pressures, under the spotlight, just bring it all out. Do you know what I mean? Show your character, show your personality. It isn't a burden. It really isn't. I'm not saying that Marcus suffers that way, but no. I just saw this fresh-faced kid and it's surprising how, you know, how many smiles it brings on people's faces when they bring that energy, that youthfulness, their mistakes and all that. We have to accept that, you know? We've all, we've all been young once. It might be a long time ago, but we have been, we have been young. <laughs> but it's, it's brilliant. It's, it, it's brilliant to see. So that's, that's what we have to do. We have to keep bringing that to the fore. On the flip side of that, the, obviously we're talking about how much you want the players to enjoy it and, and, and sort of celebrate their careers and have those moments. But what for you as a coach are the bits that you really enjoy? Are there players that you find really exciting to watch? Are there moments in games? Is it when you're on the training pitch? Yeah, it's it's a combination of things really. You want 
you can offer advice, you can offer coaching experience, you can put sessions on and all that, but you really want them to to challenge you. You know, you, you, I've always thought as a coach, you have ideas, you, you have a plan, but that plan sometimes goes AWOL, it goes amiss, you don't follow the plan because players... <laughs> Players make you go off on a different pathway. They make you, you know, you can set something up, which might be a session, and that player gets it within 10 minutes. So there's no point doing it for an hour, two hours, Mm. move on. You know, but then you allow the player to express himself. You let the player bring the challenge to you because the big players, the good players, the top players all want more off you. They want more. So they drain you, really, of your experiences and, and what you can bring. And that's our job, really, is to, is to challenge them, but for them to challenge us to, to, to move on quick. I don't know any young player that doesn't, at 18, doesn't want to be a 28-year-old first-team player. They want it now. It's not like, I'm going to wait 10 years for it. Mm. I want it now. So what are you going to do, coach, to get me to that point now? We can do that. We can get them in the team, but then they have to accept that. Right, well, you know, you're not 18 anymore. (laughs) You're in the first team at Man United. So you've got to bring your game, your A game, as much as you possibly can in order to keep, keep the spot, keep the position. And that's, I like that. I like to see that in a player that is up and down on the training ground, but it all comes together on a football field, you know, when, when it's match day. That's what training's all about. That's what coaching's all yeah. about. If you really want that challenge and you, like, you thrive off that challenge, I am available to turn up to training tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not sure whether we're in tomorrow. <laughs> we'll give him a day off. <laughs> you can have a one-on-one if you want. <laughs> I've seen him, mate. He's absolutely sh- Sam, I can see your eyes lighting up during this conversation. Sam, you're not in our bubble. I'll see you next year. Every time you mention patience, he's like, yep, still waiting for that call. (laughs) (laughs) You have mentioned this already, but just tell people how important the United DNA is for youngsters and elder players the dna is huge you know it's 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 what you sign up for i think the quicker and the sooner you can get an understanding of what it is you're here for and what can you bring to the table which promotes yourself manchester united and everybody around this place because we all get excited and we all we all revel in in the achievements, you know, we all, we all want that. Then I think once you embrace that and don't fear it, I think you're halfway there Mm. because there's no, for me, you know, I've spent most, I mean, I've been at other clubs, I've coached at other clubs, but I've spent most of my coaching career here. And why would I want to do it anywhere else? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's the opportunities are endless I do feel as though the club is pretty supportive at all levels. And it's just a case of working hard and getting it right on the football field. And, and we know that we, we're going to win some, we're going to lose some. Even the successful teams did that, you know, lost games that we shouldn't lose and, you know, didn't turn up in some games, that type of thing. But, but eventually, 
you get there, you know, you keep it nice and tight and solid and forget the outside influence. You've just got to dismiss the noise sometimes, you know. I mm. think I think that's one thing I have learned over the years is is the fact that tomorrow's another day. And, you know, there's a lot to be achieved tomorrow and the day after that. And we work hard to try and get there. And we, we've got to accept that. It, there are mistakes. We're not perfect. Players are not perfect. But on a good day, we're good. On a not so good day, we want to be decent, not poor. Mm. You know, so we've still got a bit to, to do in that in that side of it. But there are improvements. There are moments when you go, wow, we've got it. You know, it's happening. And then there are moments when you go, where's it gone? Where's it disappeared? And it's football. Football does do that to you. And it's very hard and difficult to put your finger on it sometimes. Do you think that Mick as well? I mean, I would never make excuses for anybody, but do you think because the... There is a young aspect to the team as well that they haven't got the consistency yet. I think that's to be expected. Yeah, I think it's 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 there. I mean, we would we would like we'd like to be in a position where you could you could drip feed a young player into a team. Yeah, you know, a, an established team. Yeah, because then I think everybody benefits. You know, it, it, it's like the, the the young player blossoms around experience and maturity and, and things like that and success. But when you're introducing threes and fours and, and, and they're part of your squad and, and even more now, then I think there's going to be an element of, you know, ups and downs. Mm. And, and also the more senior players, the accomplished players, have to get their head around that as well, you know, because sometimes that can be difficult for them to yeah. accept as well. You know, that there's going to be mistakes when they don't want the mistakes. They want the next level sort of thing. They're not, you know, not willing to wait for it, if, if you know what I mean. And I'm, I'm a bit like that now as a coach. I mean, I'm, I'm far more impatient now than I was 10 years ago, the, my first time round. You know, it was this time round, I want it now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's because I'm probably a bit older and, you know, a bit shorter in time sort of thing, but I want it now so I find myself picking faults a little bit more than I ever did, you know, and, and that's just me being myself now. I, I just want it tomorrow and I know I can't get it tomorrow, but <laughs> I just feel on edge at times when I never would have been and I'm on edge because I see the potential, I see what players do every day and then suddenly it doesn't gel and you think, wow, where's that gone? I can't accept that. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's, it's a real, it's a real up, up and down sort of situation to be in now, really, you know. And, 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 and to be fair, our coaching staff now is pretty young. It's pretty young. You know, Ollie's, I'm saying pretty young, they're younger than me anyway, that's, that's been, for sure. There's been a lot of toddler age in this podcast. Mm. But, yeah, well... <laughs> it's only a number. We're, we're, all, we're all an hour old after this, so... <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a case of, you know, even the younger coaches are energetic, you know, they want to do everything in a day that they possibly can do, and, and that's great. But, you know, with that comes time to learn and time to reflect and time to... You know, so I'm, I'm sounding a bit like a wise old owl here, and I, I shouldn't. I'm enjoying be, but, it. I'm enjoying it. But it's 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 just the way it seems to be. Energy is in in people, in, you know, and enthusiasms in people. And and if I can be, I don't know, that person who is all ears, or can point it in the right direction, or help, 
at any time, then then I think that's part of my role really is mm. to is to do that. But also keep pushing and pushing and pushing because I still want more. I still want to be, I want Ollie to be successful. I want Michael and Kieran and Martin and Fletch now has come into the fold and all that. I want them to experience that success consistently. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That I had. And because of that, it doesn't help me because I've touched that. Do you know what I mean? You've had it. Yeah, yeah. And I want more of it. And then you just think, but I want it now. I don't want it later. You know what I just expect it and it's wrong of me to do that because you've, you've just got to, you've got to find a way through it because it is, it is different than the last time. It's definitely different. Thank you so much. We've really enjoyed hearing about Mick the coach, but will you come back one time and tell us about Mick the player? Because we are running out of time. You're a busy man. I can't remember that far back, <laughs> Mick the player. <laughs> <laughs> Big out the archives. No, it's, been great. it's been good. It's nice to... It is nice to talk. We don't do enough talking no. in a way because we do a lot over the internet now and emails and all that. And I'd still like the actual sitting in front of people and talking. No, I think it's important. It's, it's it's important. It's important as a coach to be in front mm-hmm. of the players. You know, you can't do everything online. But will you come back? I will. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I will do. We can do it when we're all allowed to sit together. Yes. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I'll only come back when we start on time. <laughs> Sam's fault. Yeah. Sam's yeah. fault. <laughs> so, get those earphones sorted and what have you. Don't make us sound unprofessional, Mick. It's just the end. We'll do it after my training session. <laughs> yeah, I'll put you with the just uh, running. Youth Academy system first. Yeah, yeah that, that's the old adage, isn't it? If in doubt, run them. Run them. Thank you. I'll be good at that. Uh, I'm going to get one more question. I know I'm not supposed to. I'm going to get one more question in because Come on, then. one of the, I think, highlights of um, your coaching career certainly as fans are concerned is when you were sat on the bench and you popped a balloon can you please tell us about that <laughs> I wish I had a quid for every time that's been shown on yeah. TV um, yeah that can re- I can remember it very clearly because I nearly you can't re- obviously you can't repeat what the gaffer said <laughs> <laughs> I nearly lost my job the day after to be fair <laughs> No, you, you, you sat brilliant. there and the game's going on and what have you. And, and then just this balloon got in my head, you know, it got into my psyche a little bit. I saw it bobbing around and what have you. And I wasn't interested in the game, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I was more interested in if that balloon comes near me, it's having I'm it. Loving it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it did. It found its way to me. I picked it up. I popped it. Everybody else is watching the game and all of a sudden everybody's jumped nearly had a heart attack the gaffer's going berserk and, and it's sort of I'm like laughing I'm, I'm actually laughing sitting there the game's going on and I'm thinking what's all the fuss what's all the bother I've just popped a balloon and it was only till after I realised you know the enormity of it really that everybody jumped everybody thought something had gone on brilliant <laughs> but brilliant. Uh, no it was it was funny it was very fun well I thought it was funny and others probably didn't at the time but I think we've all chilled out about it I think everybody can agree that was oh, very funny they're still, they're still <laughs> not brilliant now and I live to tell the tale and I'm <laughs> yeah, still exactly. in the job so. still, uh, yeah. <laughs> any recommendation we can get from you for our podcast could be one of the coaching staff could be an ex-player how many ex-players? There's loads of ex-players, isn't there? They've all got the same Just basically sort of anybody you tell. can put a good word in for us. That's what we really <laughs> want to know. <laughs> You're not associated with this club. Can you not just ring somebody up and ask them? She, she can't even get us Johnny. <laughs> Walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. 
<laughs> Michael Carrick probably would be a good one. Fletcher's one. Well, you've had, had, we've had you've Fletcher. Fletcher. What about Butty? Butty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a good one. What about Neil? As Neil Wood, I mean, he's Neil's a talented coach. Woody, Woody's class, coach. great lad. So yeah, there's plenty to go at then. Plenty to go at. Yeah, if you need any help, I'll convince them to Thank do you. it. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't tell them a crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what would be a good one for you: the doc. Now that he's going through COVID and all that lot, I mean, he's I kept know. it going. That'd be an interested subject to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? That'd be really interesting. And how he's planned it all out and this, that and the other, if he was willing to do it, I don't know. So. All right, another one? Yeah, that was Yeah. Mick, it's been a pleasure, Paul. Okay. Thank you so much, oh, you Mick. Too. Nice to see you. Thank you. It? Yeah, good to see you and good luck for the rest of the season. Speak to you all later. Let's see what happens at the weekend. Yeah. All right, Paul. Enjoy the rest yeah. of your day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers, Mick. Ta-da. Take Bye. care, Paul. Ta-da. Say hello to Johnny for a bit. I will do. Thank you. I love that balloon clip. It's never not funny. Yeah, it gets funnier down the years because people use it as memes now. Yeah, great little gif. <laughs> oh, sorry, a gif. The, the, the gif that keeps on giving. You're welcome. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Came up with well that on the spot. Though. Are you trying to be clever there? Me? Yeah. Bells saying memes. I did call them memes for about three years. I always, I always thought it was memes. I would never... <laughs> I would ne- I'd never turn around and say memes. <laughs> I enjoyed the different aspect of that podcast. Mm-hmm. Although we obviously will do a life story with him yeah, at absolutely. some stage. We can, do it on my, we can do it after my training session. Yeah, that would be an ideal time, I think. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to happen. That probably won't happen. He said um, He said I could have a one-on-one. <laughs> he said they were off that day, Sam. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll just see. We'll just see. Any day you're available, they're off. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to see behind the scenes talk of the academy. It was really, I think people are yeah. going to really enjoy that one. Yeah, great insight. He's insight. a pretty fun guy, isn't he? He is yeah, a great very laid back. He is. He is. Talked about, yeah, spot, uh, you know, coming through, spotting the likes of uh, Ryan Giggs playing and, and noticing the quality that existed and then getting that, now as a coach, the challenge of taking those 18-year-olds and getting them to where they want to be. And I suppose, that, like, it must be different. I know he said, like, it's sort of the same game, so but it must be different I suppose with the yeah. the way the game has changed especially for young players especially do you know what I always think about especially when he was talking about that mm-hmm. Mickey Thomas's podcast yeah mm. would Mickey have went on to have a professional career if it had have been no. like it is now with social media because by the sounds of the way Mickey talked I don't know whether he could have coped with the pressure of that so that's another aspect of a footballer surely now yeah but there'd have been help that didn't exist then, now. Yeah, true. Do you know what I liked? His little, his little um, story about Marcus watching him grow up from a yeah, young kid. Yeah, it's cool, that, isn't it? Yeah. And now seeing the end product. It's nice to get that insight from people who are inside that he talked about how, from him leaving under Sir Alex and coming back with Ollie, how his view of the club and what the club stands for, how it changed slightly, and now he's trying to return it to the, the way he believes it should be. Because I guess if... From a certainly from a fan's perspective, if you if you don't think that your club stands for what you believe it stands for and what it represents, then they'd all be the same. And it's really cool to hear what he thinks the most important things. And also, because I think when people think of Man United, they think about the there's sort of a glamour element to Manchester United and the success in the history. But straight away, the first thing he says is hard work. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Hard work will beat talent. We will have to get Mick back on the podcast because there is so much more that we want to ask him about being a player and. But there's just never enough time in the day, guys, is there? Let's do some emails, guys. Okay, first one. 
This one is a personal one to me, guys. I hope you don't mind me reading it out. But if you have listened to all the podcasts, you will understand that I did have a little bit of a problem with pigeons on my garden. Do you remember that, guys? It was about a year ago, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, last year. Yeah. Johnny got yeah. stuck in there. Johnny got stuck on the roof. Yeah. yeah, Johnny got stuck in the roof, putting my fake, what was that again? Falcon, owl. Have you guys ever seen that, by the way? I should bring that in to show you. So yes, this is what this email is about. Dear Helen, in order to best use the fake animals, you will need to move them periodically. Oh, I have not done that. You can also buy some that move with the wind or mount them in ways so they move slightly, but even then you need to move them around. We live next to a large field, so I've had mice issues in the yard. So we used fake snakes. We move along the fence and owls that have heads that move slightly with the wind. The owls are like bobbleheads. Hope this helps. Nicholas Mitchum, thank you so much. I wish you had have emailed in a year ago because that falcon, uh, yeah, I was thinking is it an eagle or a falcon, but it's a falcon, has not moved in a whole year. Are you still getting pigeons? Nope. But you know what, guys? Something that's just come to my attention. Mm-hmm. I've got my fake grass now, don't I? So I bet you I won't have pigeons this year. Have you got false trees as well? Because they do sit in trees as well. No, no, they, were, they weren't landing on the trees. They were landing on the grass. So it'll be interesting this year. Anyway, moving on. Thank you very much for that email. It's a great email. It's one of my favourite emails. Doesn't even it doesn't address that we've got a podcast. Just yeah. straight in with doesn't pigeons. Even Let say me talk about pigeons. Let me get straight to the point of this. Pigeons. Um, I've got one from Pete who says, Firstly, I missed out on a few podcasts and just got up with the Smith, Carol and Cole podcast. Wow, what great listens. And think it absolutely great the emotion shown by Helen, but also the ex should be tough footballer. David's emotion in particular shows what has been said on many occasions is actually true. Footballers are just human beings that are talented at football. The money, etc. doesn't make them immune from mental or physical illness. Blimey, was in bits has listened to Cole talking about his nephew's struggle since having the kidney transplant. His nephew deserves a medal. Roy Carroll's story, which didn't know, was amazing. And again, tears were turned. It's great that he has gotten through it and is a lesson in time. We are all wearing a physical mask more. So many wearing a mental mask. I'm doing this again as time's tough, but this podcast has given me strength to talk. Worn such a bad mask when my dad died many years ago and was alcohol dependent and in my darkest, darkest place. Players sharing their experiences helps everyone who has issues. And it doesn't just, and it's not just me. It's inspirational and informative with different perspectives from the host Simon the fan Helen covering loads of bases and David's experiences and anecdotes keep them coming thank you so much Pete Pete thank you so much for listening uh, and we're really glad that it helps thank you very much indeed Pete cheers Pete Paran Jaya from Nepal I've been supporting United since I was five. I hope to someday be able to watch a game at Old Trafford. Recently, I have fallen in love with our women's team and I hope the team only grows and wins the league soon. I've been listening to the United podcast since the very beginning. Absolutely love Simon. Another one who actually thinks you're called Simon. Absolutely love Simon. (laughs) Go on, Sarah. Maisie and Helen and think all of you have a great chemistry. My favourite podcasts were with Gordon Hill, Albert Morgan and Norman Whiteside. I would like to recommend Ella Toon or Alicia Russo on the podcast Paranjaya from Nepal uh, I've got one here from David who says hi I'm David 16 years old from Canada I've always been a huge Manchester United fan right from my childhood I have always wanted to feel closer to the club as I've not had a chance to watch a game in person at Old Trafford and this podcast has definitely helped me not only to feel closer to the club but to understand different personalities and experiences of present and former United players thank you for setting this up and making it so accessible to fans like me all over the world I sure hope to see many more interesting and entertaining podcasts in the future cheers David Thank you so much for listening. 
thank you so much everyone for listening once again we love your messages please keep sending them to us you can also review the podcast on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else they let you do reviews you can rate them but most importantly subscribe so you get them we're out every single Monday and every Friday you can watch the full conversation in coloured picture on MUTV um, so thank you very much and we will see you on the next one if you want to get in touch the address in the show notes it is unitedpodcast.manunited.co.uk and if you send David May on uh, Twitter a, a screenshot of your review he will send you a photo of himself hugging his beer machine <laughs> bye bye bye